Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. Glad you were all here. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your day to be in the company of others like you who uh, explore faith in a variety of ways. We are delighted this morning to welcome Colleen Wyndham Hughes, preaching, Peter Carlson reading, uh, and the rest of us doing our part. God be with you in this time of worship. Please stand as we sing. God of majesty and mystery, in your gentleness, in your power, in your presence, in your greatness, and this moment, Amen. Eternal God, our Alpha and Omega, our beginning and our end, we have gathered right here to worship you. You create all things, weaving together the world and all its fears and its future. You have pulled us here today with all our fears and our future. Take this moment, O Lord and grant us your wisdom and peace. Amen. Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As God has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed upon them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Here ends the reading. Peace be with you. One of my favorite quotes in this whole life is from Arthur Ashe, and here's how it goes. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Now, Arthur Ashe was a professional tennis player in the 1960s and 70s. He was the first black man of any nation to win three Grand Slam titles in tennis. And I hope by the end of these short minutes to have woven together his quotation, which has given me and so many others so much encouragement and inspiration in with our sacred text. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. Now, in our sacred text, I realize that the phrase, be not afraid or fear not, appears nowhere in the sacred text. 
And I know I had a couple dozen to choose from, right? It's not exactly an unpopular phrase in the Bible. However, from the time I got the invitation to speak this morning on the topic of Be Not Afraid, this was the sacred text in my ears and in my mind. Honestly, I didn't want to speak on this text. And I tried to choose other ones. I scoured and I poured over them. And this one kept coming up and up and up. I thought, all right, that's a prompting. I'm going to be in trouble if I disobey. So we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead with this text and see what we can do, right? So one of the first things that I want to say is that this text has fear right in it. The disciples are in a room locked because of their fear. And I thought, what I really want to talk about this morning is some distinctions between fear and anxiety and what happens in the disciples' experience here. Now, I know we use fear and anxiety interchangeably, and they're maybe not as distinct as I'm about to suggest, but the distinction that I'm going to introduce has helped me a lot And I think it goes some distance to understanding the disciples here and may just help you in other instances too. Fear relates to imminent threat, right? So that is you're crossing the street as a pedestrian and a car comes and is about to run you over. Or that is you're camping, you've been hiking, you're ready to come back for your evening meal and there's a bear in your food, right? You get the idea. Fear is imminent threat. Something is over you right now that is endangering your life. And it triggers the fight or flight response, right? You choose one or the other. You're either going to hightail it out of there or you're going to put up your dukes and fight, right? Anxiety is different than fear. In anxiety, there's no imminent threat. You just have this generalized unease, right? The word anxiety itself has its root in to choke. And that's what it sometimes feels like to be anxious, right? You can't breathe. And I know anxiety attacks are a thing and that people need proper treatment for those, right? In anxiety, there's no imminent threat. There's not a car about to run you over. There's not a bear in your food. What there is is an unease that comes from the trauma of past experience, like with the disciples, or it comes from the experience of difference, also perhaps with the disciples and others, or it comes from the, your own uncertainty about your open future, what will happen next. Now, that experience of anxiety that has no imminent threat but is this generalized unease sometimes triggers the same response as fear. And we get all ready to flight or fight, right? Except there's nothing to fight. And there's nothing really to run away from. Your anxiety stays with you. And the more you frustrate yourself with fighting or fleeing something that can't be fought or fleet from, the higher your anxiety gets, the worse it gets because it's traveling with you, right? So even though we use those words interchangeably, you're with me for the distinction, right? Okay, so the disciples are locked right after the death of Jesus for fear of the authorities. 
Now, I want to suggest that even though it's the word fear that's used here, that the disciples are actually not under imminent danger. Now, we can argue about that later if you want to tell me they are, but I want to suggest they're not. And what is going on with them is generalized unease. They are traumatized by the experience of losing their leader to death. They are uncomfortable with the differences they feel, and they are uncertain about the openness of their future. And they have flown the situation, right? They have isolated themselves in a locked room, yeah? But because they're not really in imminent danger, this fleeing away is not going to solve their problems. And in fact, we know that when people take their anxieties and project them onto others in fears, that things only get bad. When we try to solve our anxieties, the trauma of our experience, the unease of difference, or the uncertainty about our open future, by calling someone a threat and acting out of fear, we can't get rid of our anxiety. And so we just need more and more heightened measures to counteract that dangerous big bad that was never an imminent threat in the first place. Now, if you know this scripture, you'll know that I changed a word in the scripture today. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the authorities, you know which word I changed, maybe? Authorities. In all of the Bibles that are in front of you, it will say Jews. John's Gospel reads, the disciples had met and where the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. Now, on one level, this is an absolutely ridiculous statement on almost every level because the, Jesus and the disciples were Jews. So the fact that they would be locked for fear of the Jews is ridiculous. It actually literally does not make sense, right? But Jesus and the disciples were walking the earth in the 30s, and John's community was writing their message in the 90s or 100, three generations after Jesus, and conditions had gotten different, and they were telling the story of Jesus in a way that made sense to them, and they projected their anxiety onto people who didn't deserve it. And this scripture has been used over and over again to justify some kind of imagined fear of a people. To take Christian anxiety about trauma of experience, the unease of difference or the uncertainty of their own future and try to make it into an imminent threat from a people. Real consequences have come out of this scripture. And when we read it just plainly as the word of God, we don't know what to do with it. All right, so I'm saying to you, regardless of how we read the scripture, whether as printed or as amended by me, that the disciples are not under imminent threat. They are anxious. They are practically choking with the unease that they feel, and they have chosen isolation. But we can't focus on just that part of the scripture to the exclusion of all others, because what happens is Jesus shows up 
Now, I've already dealt with one problem in this scripture, so I'm not going to even go to the place of like miracles and how Jesus got into the locked doors, right? I'm just going to quote Einstein and others who say that the definition of miracle is impossible, yet there it is, okay? So that's where Jesus is. Impossible, but there it is, right? And what he says to them is peace be with you. As God has sent me, so I send you. Peace be with you. And then he breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit. And as you'll see in the hymn we we sing later, which is Breathe on Me, Breath of God, breath is the same as wind or spirit in Hebrew or Greek. So when you breathe on someone, you're sharing something of living spirit with them. And we can all participate in God's creative work when we breathe or hear each other breathe, right? Jesus doesn't take on their fight for them or reinforce them in their isolation. He says, peace be with you, I'm sending you, right? These doors are going to get unlocked, and you people with physical hands, you're going to do it, and you're going to go, right? And this peace, this peace is not an absence of conflict or war. This is the dynamic peace that's behind shalom, where what we're working for is well-being of all people, where we're working for justice in our communities. It's in Greek, it's Irene. But it's the same as shalom. So when he says, peace be with you, he's really intending for the well-being and the justice of the disciples and their broader community. And then he sends them. And he gives them only one piece of instruction, which is that if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. And if you retain them, they're retained. He empowers them to do something. So let's return to Arthur Ashe. This scripture starts in anxiety, paralyzing anxiety that the disciples mistake for imminent threat and they flee. We have to start where they are. We don't get through this life without feeling anxious or feeling choked by it. Start where you are. Life is uncertain. I am anxious. I experience difference. I've been traumatized. Use what you have. In this scripture, what do they have? No physical possessions, but the peace that Christ gives on behalf of God and the breath that is the Holy Spirit. Use what you have. We didn't own it. We didn't fashion it. But the breath of the Spirit of God and the peace that God gives, we do have as they pass through us. And even if somebody rejects it, it is not wasted and will not diminish the peace and the spirit that we have. And do what you can. You can forgive the sins of people around you. You can engage in personal relationship. And here I'll close by saying that as a Christian, it has been so meaningful for me to learn appreciatively about the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the High Holy Days and the 10 Days of Awe that come every September that start a new year, that celebrate the year gone past, that lament the sins and apologize for the mistakes of the years gone past, and that prepare individuals and groups for the year ahead with the good deeds of the pomegranate and the rituals of apology, confession, and forgiveness. 
We can't banish anxiety, but we can do the work on ourselves to distinguish between fear and anxiety and choose not to demonize others or try to fight them or flee from them when what is going on with us is our own unease. We have to start there. Start where you are, even if you're uneasy. Use what you have, the gift of the Spirit given to all for the well-being of all, and do what you can, relationship by relationship, to confess apologize, and forgive. Amen. May the peace of God enfold you, the love of God uphold you, the wisdom of God mold you, and the abundant blessing of God be yours today and always. Amen. Amen. I invite you to share the peace of God with one another. <laughs>